How's it going? It's fixing to be a lot better, man. Welcome back to Dazed and Confused 33 and a Third. I'm your host, Jarf, and I'm excited to get into some kind of deep and heady part of the movie. And our guest this week is Professor Robert E.G. Black, the host of An Existential Trilogy. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Hello, hello. All right, let's get into it. So first of all, listeners, I have to ask for a little bit of grace. I'm recovering from COVID, (laughs) so if I don't sound exactly the same, that is why. But, you know, the show must go on. So... This week we are covering track 31 and it starts with an aerial shot of the moon tower and it ends with Wooderson mocking Officer Wrath. (laughs) So we get the end of the party and smoking a joint on the 50 yard line. So some iconic stuff and I wondered... What moment in this scene spoke to you? In which part? Because <laughs> I'd say that the party has a different thing that I really like than what the, the football field scene has. Let's start with the party. Because the party, I think, has remarkably... Um, I don't think of this director as being... I like his movies, but I don't think of him as like a big cinematic director. Like he doesn't go for like beautiful shots and things like that. Or if it's more about the content and the character interaction, and different yeah. style. Fair. But just from right at the beginning of this segment, we have that close up on the keg as the beer runs out and it's just anonymous hands of whoever. It doesn't matter. And then we get that series of conversations of people it almost could have been done in one take. It wasn't because there's a few cuts, but like from Mitch and Julie and Jody and Kay, and then to the other group leaving, walking past Wooderson and Cynthia. And then it's, it's like all these scenes are happening in the exact same. It's kind of the structure of the film in a way is we slowly get all of our characters into one place, even though all of their stories barely interact and it works but he's got great visuals, even the aerial shot of the party, and it's kind of scattering. And then the series of conversations, like with people walking one, like uh, Pink arriving, he walks past, um, forgetting everyone. There's so many people in this movie. Uh, so many. Tony and Mike and Cynthia and Sabrina leaving to get to Wooderson. And then event like Slater shows up, and then it, it's it's a wonderful combination of people They're i do like, like the way that, space i do like the way that he'll flow from one vignette mm-hmm. with a group of characters to another by having someone walk by and then you just leave that first conversation and follow that other person to yeah. another group rather than having lots of static groups where it's like Four people are standing around and set up, set up joke and, it, and then dissolve. And yeah, then it, pre- it presents and this and, yeah. idea that they are doing things when we don't see them. Yeah. Like when Pink approaches, 
he's walking with some girl. And they seem to be interacting. And then she just departs and he goes over and interacts with Mike and Tony. Well, and speaking of things that happen that we don't see, early in the scene, the the poker group, they hmm. make a plan to go get breakfast. Yeah. And then we pick up with them later and... They're they like, got it. Wow, yeah. that was a great, you know, <laughs> great to have some pancakes after a night of drinking. And it's like, <laughs> I want to see that breakfast, man. I want to know what the nerds are talking about over breakfast after. The, yeah, the, the way they've been written, done so far, they could have had some interesting, thoughtful things for them. But I think we need to go back to pink. And yeah. Wooderson, of course, they they know when they're filming, he's going to be a character that catches on. But I think Pink's storyline is the closest to an actual plot. Right. And so we have to go back to him, and then they're going to get that thoughtful moment on the 50-yard line. We probably get a lot of the same ideas from the nerds at breakfast. But maybe yeah, a shot of it, you know? <laughs> Just show them there in passing. I definitely like imagining it. Yeah. And even if it wouldn't have worked well with the flow but you said that there was a moment that spoke to you from the football field what was that? well from the football field it's it's sort of the other i mean we have some basic good directing because people are interacting and you can't always hear everyone because they talk over each other which feels like real people and stuff it's wonderful but we also there get there's great friendship that beats between pink and dawn and even Wooderson and Pink, where you don't know why they're friends. I don't know what the age difference there is, but Wooderson, maybe he was on the team when Pink first joined or something. I don't remember if they established that. They didn't establish it, but I did establish it with some official source material okay. that the age gap is three years. But it, I feel like they care about him. Like Wooderson finds that thing in the in the car and immediately he knows, Oh, this is pinks and he doesn't want to sign it. Right. And he just knows. And you can tell that Don cares about pink. Even I think it's next. It's not this segment, but the next one where he's like, so that's that right. Or whatever. And he just needs that beat where pink confirms. Yeah, I'm not signing that thing. And then he's like, okay, he's yeah. good. And they're, they're good friends. And then I love that even, one. Even Don's thing where he, he starts serious, like, um, it's much later, but his whole thing about, like, while well, I was stuck in this place, mm-hmm. that, that whole little speech is, it's really cheesy and totally high school level person. It, it works as a character beat, but also it starts serious. And he's like, I just want to know, you know, that I did good while I was here and all that. And then it becomes a joke and like this mantra that they're all kind of laughing with it. And it kind of, for me, is an embodiment of the whole movie. I know you you had mentioned my um, my blog entry where I watched this movie, and it was something that I was commenting on there. And it's like, these are characters that are just trying to enjoy now. I think it's Cynthia's line. Because she doesn't want to think of now as some prelude to everything else. Mm-hmm. And they're just, we don't, I don't think we ever find out what time it actually is. It's close to dawn. But they're just on the 50-yard line because they, the party ended and they needed somewhere else to go. And, you know, Slater said, let's smoke a joint on the 50-yard line as if no one had ever thought of that idea. And 
as if he'd never thought of that idea. He's like, well, let's smoke a joint. And it it's just such a thoughtful moment for a movie that has spent its time meandering. And you realize that it's all on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we are tiptoeing up to another question that I wanted to pose to you. Hmm. Since the characters are getting philosophical. Yeah. So I wondered which character do you relate to the most and what philosophy do they represent? The, the specificity of philosophy is hard. My, I don't know if I can name it, but there's two characters that I thought of immediately in terms of philosophy. In terms of who I related to, I kind of related to Mitch because I felt like I was the one who got dragged along with my more popular friends occasionally mm. and would end up at places where I wasn't prepared to be there. And since so um, how did you play it then did you play it cool like mitch where he's like what's this oh it's a sixer no yeah of course they sold it to me i would have stayed quiet in the background or i would have been mike okay because mike is there at the party and like when he has the confrontation i forget the guy gets in the fight with his name but that confrontation is where he it's sort of there's something and he's like okay he's calculating if I go attack him, everyone's going to stop the fight. And he's trying to think through <laughs> right. this social interaction. That is not something you should think through like that. I mean, it works, kind of. And it I might go well later. He, I mean, he really does kind of get his ass kicked. Yeah, but as but much Mike, as he tries to talk around it with Cynthia, oh later, yeah, she's, oh no, she's no, he gets like, his ass kicked. Got, but she's also got a there, point. Right? People will remember. That he did that thing. It doesn't matter if he lost. Mm-hmm. He went after that. Like he started it. Which is a kind of big. If anyone remembers that. Mm-hmm. Or just the fact that this little nerdy kid. Got in a fight at the big party. And he has one of my favorite lines. I mean aside from. I want to dance. But uh, I believe it's him. says I'm just trying to be honest about being a misanthrope. <laughs> I'm like yes. That is totally me. <laughs> I mean, in high school, I was, um, you know, late bloomer to puberty, so I didn't quite interact as well with the people my same age as young, like a few years younger. My senior year, most of my friends were freshmen because I had PE with them because of a scheduling thing. And then I was also, you know, undiagnosed autistic. So I'm like trying to do all these social interactions. And then I'm also at a private school that's tiny. So I'm not getting the normal social interactions like they appear in movies. And I'm watching okay. tons of movies as a kid, so I have this idea of what it should be, and then it's not. And I'm just trying to, like, calculate my way through it. Because <laughs> why not? You know, you yeah. have to. Yeah, if you can just come up with a plan, it will be fine. Right. Or you'll it'll fail, and you'll have to come up with a new plan. Right. So maybe let's unpack the just keep living yeah a little bit so the backstory to that if if you and if our listeners are not familiar sadly matthew mcconaughey's father passed away while they were making the movie and so he said that he took a long walk with the director and they were talking about the best way to process that And so he said, 
that's when the line just keep living mm-hmm. occurred to him and it was a way to deal with losing his father just keeping his spirit alive yeah so i thought that was really beautiful and i think that that line really enhances the movie and and deepens the story that they're telling of pink trying to decide what he's going to do about the pledge mm-hmm. and even on the football field he says i'll probably sign it i just didn't want to give in too easy right. so it's really about him deciding who he wants to be and i liked wooderson's advice People remember the just keep living, L-I-V-I-N part of uh-huh. it just because he says it with so much flavor. Yeah. But I like the part where he says, you've got to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do. So that's the real like key to the advice part of it that I think. Well, yeah, he's he, I mean, he's essentially telling him, yeah, be who you need to be. The coach is secondary to that. Because, I mean, if Pink gives in and just signs this pledge, I would say the pledge is meaningless and silly, but signing it means the coach leaves him alone for a little while, Mm -hmm. which is also good. But the fact that Pink at any point when he saw that pledge thought more of it means he can't do that. Right. And he's been going this whole day basically trying to avoid thinking about it. And of course it was taken out of the trash and now it's taken out of the glove compartment. And so it it's back in front of him again. And he has to finally be like, yeah, I, I might sign it, but you know, I don't want to give in. And then, you know, next segment, the coach shows up and he's like, yeah, I'm done. I, I, figured, <laughs> right. I figured out what I'm doing. And, you know, great conclusion to his story. You know, I might play, but I will never sign that is, is great. Cause yeah, Wooderson's right. You got to do what you want to do to be yourself. Otherwise, I mean, as he puts it in context of rules, you know, the older you get, the more rules they're going to try to get you to follow. Mm-hmm. And Wooderson clearly doesn't follow. I mean, it's the 70s, right? What year is it specifically? 76. 76, right. Okay. So middle of the 70s. Wooderson's behavior in this movie is relatively acceptable for 76, but by the time the movie by the time the movie comes out, we see him as this like creepy old dude hanging out with high schoolers. Mm-hmm. But also, why do we see him that way? The high schoolers clearly don't care. And I don't know how old he's supposed to be, like how much older. And it's Well, the equivalent that I figured out is it's basically like when Mitch gets to be a senior, mm. if Pink was still hanging out with Mitch and his friends, yeah, if so it's, it's only like that, they went to school together. Yeah, it's like did Wooderson and Pink play on the team at the same time? If so, of course he's going to hang out. See, I figured that they definitely played together. The way that they're imitating the coaches and. And go and like doing the little. We definitely played while the same coach was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the timing's close, if not the same. 
So yeah, would they probably get like <laughs> Pink would have been JV probably. Oh yeah. During there would have been some interaction anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it, I feel like, especially, it's nice using Wooderson as the one to say it because he, he's like this. I was going to say comedic relief, but you don't have comedic relief in a movie that's a lot of comedy. But he sort of is structurally that. He's this other, mm-hmm. like this outsider to the group that is hanging out because he has chosen to. He has chosen to continue to be this person. And by the end of the movie, we like him. We might dislike some parts of him, but we're we're amused by him, and we understand why people would spend time with him. Mm-hmm. So to him just spell it out is so simply is nice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, you could also get it from someone like Slater, but he's too much of the fool. Wooderson is a fool who knows who he is. Slater's so high the whole time. I'm not sure if he knows anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and then the philosophy that Don shares is kind of the counterpoint because he's been the one that's all along saying, I'll just sign it, just mm-hmm. sign it and forget about it. Exactly. And so the line that you pointed out, yeah, where you're where he was saying, I just wanted to look back and say that I had as much fun as possible when I was stuck in this place and and all of that. I yeah, played as hard as I could, dogged as many chicks, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's and actually I I want to circle back to that part of the line because mm. there's a little funny behind the scenes thing. But just how that plays with Pink's thought process, I like that while Don is delivering that line the camera isn't on Don. No, it's, it's on, on Pink. Pink looking thoughtfully out into the distance. Well, yeah, Don is like sort of his it's like a possible thought pattern for what Pink is doing in that moment. Mhm. Which then that he laughs at the end is good cuz right. they're very comfortable with each other and their ideas of how to get along with the coach and everything else that you have to be. Yeah. And I thought it was good acting. On Jason London's part, Mm -hmm. too, because I just imagine, picture yourself as a young actor and the director and the script tell you, okay, stare off thoughtfully. Yeah. How how do you do that and look real? That (laughs) just does not come naturally. And if you watch a lot of bad movies, you can tell someone sort of furrowing their brow and looking yep. like they're trying to think and it can be very painful but yeah <laughs> he he really looks like he's lost in thought but you can tell that he's still listening to don because mm-hmm. of as you said because he cracks up when he gives the yeah when he speeds yeah because also yeah. don speeds up as he gets to the funnier part mm-hmm. and so yeah it, it changes tone and pace and we get this thoughtful shot of pink reacting yeah. Yeah. So then what I wanted to circle back to is so so Don's been hanging out with Siobhan today. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they have an on again, off again thing. Yeah. So him saying that he wants to look back and say that he dogged as many chicks as he could while he was stuck in this place. Uh-huh. 
it's a little bit of a diss to her because yeah. they're like cozied up right now. And I like that she gets a jab back at him saying, oh, sure, Mr. Premature Ejaculation. <laughs> and the funny behind the scenes thing is she sprang that line on him in this scene. Nice. So the reaction that you get from him where it's like, oh, what? Oh, that's great. What are you saying? That's all genuine because of he was. Yeah, as he like slowly crawls on top. Yeah, it's funny because it, that's even that makes it even funnier because what she says could be taken as a horrible insult in front of his friends. But he's just like, oh, that's good. And then he crawls onto her and tackles her, basically. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Yeah. So one of the things that I learned about the song. So we get Tuesday's Gone yeah. by Skinner. And originally the director wanted Dream On by Aerosmith. Mm. But ultimately he felt like he was happy with how Tuesday's Gone works because, in his word, it fits the end of the party vibe. Yep. So I was curious if you agree. Does the song work that way for you? And you mentioned a little bit of your high school experience and how different it was from what you saw in the movies. If they made a movie about your high school days, what song would play on the soundtrack in your version of this scene? Um, well, I'd say in answer to the first, your first part of that question, I think it works really well for here. I, I think I'm most familiar from this song just from its brief bit in this movie, and it and hearing it because of this. I had to look it up to see what it was, and I'm like, apparently they wrote it after they'd been signed to MCA Records and weren't sure what their life was going to be like now, and so it's like this song, very much fits the movie. It's this moment where. Everyone's transitioning out of school. It's to summer and then whatever's next. And they don't know what that's going to be. So I think it fits really well. Mm -hmm. As for timing for when I was in high school, the song I kept coming back to was um, Guns N' Roses, November Rain. Mm. And, And behind the scenes thing for your show, when I thought I was going to be talking about the next scene, it also fit there. Because of like the Julian Mitch thing and like November Rain is the song that I danced with the girl I had a big crush on at the Thanksgiving dance at oh. our school. And also it was like we made it the theme of the whole dance and it played again at the prom and I danced with a different girl who I liked then, which was weird because it was like over a year later, I think. And so I, I thought of that song and it's also got this sort of tone of like this thing that it's like big anthem kind of music but it's about a sort of things not going well and i'm thinking especially of the music video for it you know where the it rains on the wedding and it's chaos and Mm -hmm. it's a mess but like that november rain thing is like fall is coming to an end and it's the same tone as well and that's i think that's why we made it the a big thing at the prom as well that next year. Well, you just had like a big old angsty high school, huh? Um, I guess we were a bunch <laughs> of, um, it was private school run by a church that told us the world was about to end. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That would cause some angst. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
and you alluded to the fact that I screwed up when we were <laughs> doing our prep for this, and I accidentally sent you the next the scene, next clip, yeah, which is Summer Breeze, and and yeah, I I can see November Rain as a sub in for this for the end of the moon tower party and i can see it kind of segueing into the into the make out session and too the, i mean you're going like by song but also tuesday's gone here and then summer breeze coming right after is also like that transition it's the next morning it's summer now mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah so yeah they work uh, the, the music in this movie is so good <laughs> such he does great soundtracks for all his movies, but this one especially. Yeah, just, I mean, every needle drop feels perfect. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just don't know what to say because it's like, what else song from this era would you use? Right. And 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 how else would you use it? Like, it's always the perfect snippet of the song it's like at the right level it doesn't overwhelm when you need to be paying more attention to what people are saying right and then there are the moments when they will just crank it all the way up and just really let you feel the song so yeah obviously that's a big part of why i decided to break up the movie in this yeah yeah i'm glad you appreciate it too so Okay, last question for you. Which character's fashion stood out the most? Oh, the clothing one. <laughs> where'd, my, where'd I put my answer to this? I had a good and a bad list because you said stood out. You didn't say stood out in a good way. Excellent. Yes, I um, wanted to keep it open for both the good and the bad. Uh, I think there, three girls at the beginning of the scene are all great. Julie, Jody, and Kay all have very somewhat timeless i mean jody's shirt being i think denim just like her pants is not that timeless but the cut of it they're all fairly timeless but clearly from the 70s i really like pink's outfit he has on at night and how he slowly just unbuttons the shirt more and more as he gets more and more relaxed like by the end of the (laughs) football field scene it's but it's buttoned almost down to the bottom yeah and then slater i mean i'm not a hat person but he just looks comfortable the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Like, I'm, I'm going to go around in shorts most of the time when I have to go teach. I'm wearing jeans unless I know I have to meet with someone who's above me and work. Because mm-hmm. you got to be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And then my uh, bad was um, Wooderson's pink jeans. I know they work for the character, but especially... When he has to crawl under the thing at the end of this minute and go into the next minute, or next minute, next segment. Yeah, like they are the so tight. Like fence, yeah. <laughs> tight jeans from the 70s were a problem. <laughs> and then his are pink. Um, Carl's striped pants. That people ever wore striped pants in the 70s, and I know they did. That was that someone made a wrong choice when that became a thing. Yeah. And Carl's and, such a jerk anyway. So. Yeah, it, it's fine for him. And I generally, aside from out working on a farm, I don't think guys should wear overalls, but uh, Don almost pulls it off when he's at school. (laughs) Yeah, I've mentioned this before, but he said that 
he liked the overalls because he wanted to look like Pigpen from the Peanuts. It's <laughs> funny. Did you get him on the show, Sasha? Because <laughs> uh, he's no. really nice. I've met I met him at um, H forty, the Halloween convention. Oh, really? That was four years ago now, and he was really nice. I talked to him about. I actually gave him. I'll just brag. Um, I told him that I quote him all the time from Halloween four. It's just this random line where he says, I'm going to be outside upstairs in the attic, which doesn't make any sense. But if right. I'm going into another room, I'm like, I'll be outside upstairs in the attic. And then I told him that he's like, oh, yeah, I said that. And then when I came back by and talked to him later in the day, he's like, I put that on someone's picture when I signed it. I didn't have something to write before. <laughs> <laughs> like, love it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you gave him a uh, go to line to you. Uh-huh. His autographs. That's fun. Oh, man, I should reach out. That would be fun. That's a good idea. Um, well, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining. Uh, thanks for understanding as I navigate getting over COVID and my foggy brain and yeah. screwing up and trying to keep things on track. And just wondered if there was anything that you wanted to plug or if there's a way for people to follow you online. Um, well, you can follow me on any social media at Robert E.G. Black or go to lemmingdrops.com for links to all of my shows. But currently, hence why you got me for this like thoughtful moment in this movie, I'm running three shows that overlap. It's called an existential trilogy. And that is Minutia X Machina, the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Looking at three unrelated movies with the same guest each week and kind of talking about what they say about, you know, like the human condition. It's kind of trite, but also can go very interesting in deep places. And you can find that under any of those individual titles or an existential trilogy. will give you all three episodes each week. Nice. And I recommend that. I think that, Covering three movies at the same time with the same guest and looking at those deeper overlaps. Mm -hmm. It's one of the more interesting and challenging things that I've seen someone do with this movies by minute format. So, yeah, I just thought that was cool. And folks should check it out. Well, thanks again for joining. This has been fun. Yeah. It was. Not to worry, there's a new fiesta in the making. Join us at the Moon Tower, our Facebook listeners group. Until next time, just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.